Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 17 of the Nitromania podcast, the show where if something interesting doesn't happen soon, I may just give up. Oh, who am I kidding? I'm in it for the long haul. Last week on Nitro, the horseman crippled Paul Orndorff. We were promised the giant versus macho man for the WCW world title, and we played the greatest game of Is It Racist of all time. Let's see what happens tonight, shall we? Ladies and gentlemen, it is Monday, December 18th, 1995, and we are coming to you live from Augusta, Georgia. This week, the scrolling Nitro logos change color. At the desk, Mongo is wearing a brown leather or suede jacket over a shirt that is the exact same color as the jacket. Pepe is dressed as one of the three amigos. Eric is wearing what appears to be a black cardigan over a white turtleneck. Black and white? Foreshadowing? And Bobby is dressed appropriately for the occasion, wearing a gray sport coat over a black crew neck shirt. Bischoff immediately reminds us of the title match tonight when suddenly they're interrupted by the one and only Medusa, who, as we've seen a million times in clips over the years, drops the WWF Women's Championship into a garbage can. What those clips leave out, thankfully, is the incredibly awkward promo she cuts before and after dropping said title belt into the garbage. She says WCW is where the big boys play, and now it is where the big girls play as well, which would be great, except for the fact that the only women we've seen wrestle on Nitro are those four women they brought over from Japan. So Medusa's going to fight herself. A lot, it appears. She also throws the mic in the garbage when she leaves, which made me laugh. Mongo says he is sick and tired of people storming the announce position and says he's brought a friend along to prevent this thing from happening anymore. Eric admires the WWF Women's Championship as Mongo brings his friend to the desk. Mongo's friend is WrestleMania 3 star William the Refrigerator Perry. Was that three or two? Whichever. Either way. Wearing a horrid Cosby sweater. Fridge refuses to release Heenan's handshake as we go to the ring. Your opening contest this evening is Ric Flair versus Eddie Guerrero, but for real this time. Eddie is already in the ring. Uh, a slow start to this match as Flair spends a couple of minutes taunting his opponent, but once things get rolling, they really get rolling. This might be the most fast-paced match Ric Flair has had in the last 30 years. Lots of counters, lots of takedowns, tosses, lots of stuff going on here, and Randerson counting extremely quickly in the start of the match helps too. Flair eventually knocks Eddie off the top rope to the outside, which tweaks Eddie's knee. Flair, like a shark who smells blood, leads to the figure four. Eddie refuses to submit, but passes out in the hold, a la uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania 14, a few years from now, and gets pinned, as it were, giving Flair the victory. Not by submission, but by pinfall. A great match to start the show. Like I said, probably the fastest-paced match Rick has been in in quite a while. And they told a great story with Eddie refusing to submit at the end. Lots of good stuff here. Arn enters the ring to celebrate. Then Gene... Pull up your socks and get ready. ...joins as well. Flair kicks Guerrero out of the ring, literally. And Gene threatens to cancel the interview. Anderson reminds us that they crippled Orndorff last week and says they are a unit. You attack one horseman, you attack them all. Flair begins speaking, but is interrupted by Kevin Sullivan and Jimmy Hart. 
Sullivan says he's respected Anderson and Flair for a long time. Gene reminds Flair where the hard cam is as Sullivan complains about Pillman attacking the Dungeon of Doom and says Arn Anderson needs to rein him in. Flair says there's no problem. Anderson says there's a problem indeed. And they argue with each other as Gene sends us back to the desk. Bischoff reminds us that Medusa trashed the WWF Women's Championship, just in case you forgot. Uh, they talk about Kevin Sullivan's line of there being no allegiances in WCW, and could that apply to Lex Luger and Sting? The Fridge then completely fails at his job as Sergeant Craig appears behind the desk, retrieves the microphone from the trash, and then completely forgets to use it when talking to Bobby Heenan. Craig says he's been doing some digging, and he's discovered that Bobby Heenan was one of the greatest managers of all time. That is not something you really need to do any undercover work to discover, Craig. Craig wants Heenan to manage him to the world title, which may be the funniest thing ever said on WCW Monday Nitro. Heenan says he's not a manager anymore, he's a broadcast journalist, but he can connect Craig with someone who can help him out. Might I recommend the first lesson this new manager gives to Sergeant Craig, being how to use a microphone. Craig says if he doesn't get an answer, he'll take no prisoners, makes a weird face, and then leaves. Bischoff tells us it's Lex Luger versus Buff Bagwell, sorry, Marcus Alexander Bagwell, next. When we come back, Bagwell is already in the ring awaiting Lex Luger, oh! who enters with Jimmy Hart. Bagwell takes the early advantage, but eventually falls to the torture rack. A short and sweet match here, but might actually be the best Luger match we've seen on Nitro thus far. A lot of back and forth, Luger didn't really get the chance to slow everything to a crawl, and Bagwell got some good offense in before eventually losing. Gene is on the ramp to talk to Luger and Hart. Jimmy tells us again that Luger is the uncrowned WCW champion. Luger says he's going to show us why he's the uncrowned WCW champion, but then doesn't actually show us anything. When we come back, it's Sting versus Earl Robert Eaton. This Saturday night, it's Arn Anderson versus Johnny B. Bad, VK Wall Street versus Alex Wright, Pittman versus Cobra, plus Luger and Sting. Earl Robert Eaton enters accompanied by someone named Jeeves, who looks vaguely like Paul F. Tompkins without the mustache. Now that we're approaching Christmas, Sting enters wearing appropriately Halloween-colored face paint and trunks. The only thing notable about this match is Heenan almost calling Savage the WWF champion. Sting locks on the Scorpion, and Eaton actually taps out. Like, not just submits, literally taps out. Uh, a short and uneventful match. Nothing offensive, but nothing to write home about. Uh, Gene is now in the ring with Sting. Lots of Gino tonight. Gene reminds us that Starcade is nine days away, meaning next week is our big Starcade triple-sode. Sting says he will not forget or forgive what Flair did to all the little kids out there. Think about that sentence. Space Mountain. Sting reminds us that he's a five-time world champion, and he would love to make it six. He kind of mentions Luger, but not really. We're sent to commercial with the promise that the WCW title match is next. We return to a nice reminder that the Halloween Havoc VHS is available tomorrow at your local video store. Remember those kids? No, you don't. I'm old. Enter Kevin Sullivan, Jimmy Hart, and the Giant, his opponent, of course, the WCW World Heavyweight Champion, Randy Macho Man Savage. During Randy's entrance, we're shown a 10-year-old girl with a sign that says, Macho Man Rules, Giant Drools, because that is a 
cutting insult in 1995. Savage's arm is still taped from the elbow injury that Hogan said Savage was faking at World War III. Macho almost immediately goes for a sleeper hold for some reason. Giant wears him like a backpack for a while before slamming him down. Macho recovers, knocks Giant into Jimmy Hart, who is standing on the apron. He then tries to body slam Giant because he is an idiot. Giant takes advantage and just starts beating the hell out of Savage. We go to break with Savage in a bear hug and come back to a huge body slam. Randy blocks the choke slam and then rakes Giant's eyes for a lap just to run down his health bar. Giant choke lifts Savage and drops him to the canvas and Savage rolls out of the ring. Giant picks him up and Gorilla presses him back into the ring over the top rope. Impressive. Then, for reasons unknown, Giant goes for a splash off the top rope. Savage moves, hits the elbow drop, and, well, surprisingly enough, he only gets a two count. How about that? Giant then drop kicks Savage out of the ring. Giant peels the padding off the floor and goes for a suplex, but Savage manages to grab some combination of the ropes and referee Randerson, leaving the Giant to bump on the floor alone. An interesting spot. Giant sells the bump for about six seconds, then jumps in the ring and chokes Slam Savage, but doesn't pin him right away. Because he's dumb, I guess. Instead, he hits Savage with the atomic leg drop, which gives Hogan time to run to the ring with a chair. Hogan beats the crap out of everyone, and Mongo and Fridge head to the ring to try and talk some sense into him. Hogan then perches over Savage in the ring like a lion protecting its kill, and we go to break. Mean Gene is in the ring with Hogan and Savage when we come back. Gene says it's likely that Hogan will be suspended, and Hogan still doesn't care. Giant appears in the aisle being held back by Kevin Sullivan and Sergeant Craig of all people, so Hogan runs over and clocks them all with the chair again. Now, these chair shots are a lot better than they were three weeks ago after World War III, so I'll give Hogan credit for that. Hogan returns to the ring and demands a title shot. Savage says next week he has to defend the title against Flair, but after that, if and when he beats Flair, and whoever wins at Starcade and Tenzan at Starcade, if he's still the champion after all that, then Hogan can have his title shot. So if there's one thing we've learned tonight, it's that if you want to be named a title contender in WCW, you have to be put on probation. Macho then takes Hogan's chair and says he's going to get it autographed by the Giant and Jimmy Hart and then sell it for tons of money. That actually happened. At the desk, Eric asks Mongo why Hogan went crazy, because Mongo would fucking know. Mongo answers Hogan's challenge by saying he wasn't jumping into the wrestling arena, he was trying to prevent Hogan from getting suspended. Brain threatens to beat up the fridge, and Eric tells us that next week we'll have Flair versus Savage, they'll do a preview of Starcade and the World Cup of Wrestling, all that and more, next week on Nitro. Now this was, honest to God, probably the best episode of Nitro yet. Minus that incredibly awkward Sergeant Craig segment, nothing dragged, nothing killed the momentum of the show. Even the fact that every match had a post-match interview didn't really slow anything down. This was a beautifully booked episode of Nitro. Cage Match agrees this episode scored a 6.09 out of 10, including two users rating it a perfect 10 and no one rating it lower than a 4. Uh, it also went up a point from last week in the TV ratings, getting a 2.7 this week. Now, this is going to sound really strange based on what I've said in the past on this show, but if you go back and watch anything from this episode of Nitro, make it the main event. Savage and Giant went out there and had a really good match that really highlighted both men's strengths in the ring, I thought. Plus, you'll get to see Hogan go crazy with a chair, which you don't get that often. 
Uh, I thought the post-break promo was a little long-winded, with Hogan still feeling he's owed a title shot for not losing the Battle Royal at World War III, but they even broke that up well with Giant reappearing and getting beaten up again. All in all, I would call this a great episode of Nitro. So, with that said, let's see what Raw had in store to follow up last night's In Your House pay-per-view, shall we? Uh, Jeff Jarrett defeats Fatu Make a Difference by disqualification when Ahmed Johnson runs out to attack Jeff, but Jeff escapes. Goldust homoerotically taunted Razor Ramon in a vignette. Buddy Landell pinned Bob Sparkplug Holly in Landell's debut. The Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, introduced us to Santa Claus from the South Pole and teases a new Million Dollar Champion. Hmm. Who could that be? And Razor Ramon successfully defended his Intercontinental title by countout when Yokozuna ran away from The Undertaker. Oh, and most importantly, the world premiere of the Shawn Michaels Tell Me a Lie music video. Amazing. That episode of Raw has a 3.43 rating out of 10 on Cage Match, with the highest rating being a 5 and the lowest being a 2. It also only scored a 2.3 in TV ratings. I also want to quote this Cage Match review because it made me laugh. Quote, One of the worst episodes of Raw, even by 1995 standards. Unquote. That's the fan who gave it a 2. Uh, also on December 18th, 1995, German civil engineer, inventor, and computer pioneer Konrad Zeus passed away in Hunfeld, Germany from heart failure. I mention Mr. Zeus for this reason. His greatest achievement was the world's first programmable computer. The functional program-controlled Turing Complete Z3 became operational in May 1941. Thanks to this machine and its predecessors, Zeus had, has often been regarded as the inventor of the modern computer. So without Mr. Zeus, the world as we know it, including all these podcasts we make and listen to, would quite literally not exist. Thanks, Conrad. And that does it for this episode of Nitromania. I do hope you enjoyed it. Please feel free to send any feedback you have, comments, questions, suggestions, whatever, to rundownwrestling at gmail.com or tweet at me at rundownpodcast. Tell us how you liked uh, the, the special rundown this week with, uh, with uh, our buddy Justin from the uh yesterland waltz program if you'd like to see me live and in person come on out to apw wrestling this saturday october 28th in salisbury massachusetts uh for more information about that show check out the rundown wrestling podcast on this very channel every thursday and i urge you to listen to our other shows as well the sit down with jason wrestlemania salvation with sal nxt revisited and glow stick with our pal troy now as I said earlier, next week is our big triple-sized Starcade episode. Now, why triple-sized, you ask? Well, Starcade, as we've discussed, is on a Wednesday for some reason. So I thought the best course of action would be to do the Nitro before Starcade, Starcade itself, and the Nitro after Starcade. And, as promised last week, it is now time to reveal my special guest on that episode. We actually just mentioned his name not moments ago. The Warden. Is that the right term? Warden? Probably not. The headmaster, that's probably not it either, of the Slasher Sanitarium himself, Troy, will be joining me next week as we break down a whole lot of mid-90s WCW. Will I regret watching three shows for one episode? Probably, but stay tuned. You'll find out next week on an absolutely enormous episode of Nitromania. Pedro loves tuning Japanese. What say you, my friend, Menchi? 
And I guess I'm here too. If you're looking for wacky reviews of anime, check out Tuning Japanese. A podcast for three dudes in their 30s talk about anime. Only on the Questionable Endeavor Network. Do they drink too? Not a little bit. I do.